there was uh, no one as surprised as uh, me that we were journeying on this particular uh, theme at this particular time. We've had a break of a few weeks with all kinds of other things going on. Uh, I want you to cast your mind back, and if you miss them, to perhaps make an effort to catch up with them. Uh, just waiting for the slides. To catch up with them, those two uh, teachings that we had about three, four weeks ago that really undergird everything that we're talking about uh, through this time. The two teachings that we did were heavy in terms of kind of content and thought, And I'm not going to keep revisiting that material all the time as we go through this series. So you need to have it as your foundation, as your base in all that we go on to talk about. So you need to kind of have that in your minds even as we go through this morning uh, and week by week. This is a difficult subject for all kinds of reasons. And uh, you need to have in the back of your mind or perhaps sometimes the forefront of your mind something of the principles that we set out, something of what we understand God's heart is in all of this. Uh, a little bit we uh, shared a lot about the what well, I understand the struggles to be uh, in those opening two uh, teachings as well. So make sure you uh, uh, have listened to those or aware of them and uh, perhaps sometimes go back to them uh, as you wrestle with some of the things that we're talking about and sharing about. Uh, God wants you whole. That's where we began. And then we asked that, that, that question, the one that really gets us, why isn't everyone healed? And now for these next six weeks straight through, uh, we're going to look at different aspects of the way God wants to heal our lives, starting uh, this morning with healing the body. And so, Father, we ask for your help, we ask for your grace, we ask for insight into our minds, and we ask for the reality of your Spirit's presence to be at work in our hearts. This is a spiritual journey. It's also an intellectual journey. This is an emotional journey. It's also a journey of our wills. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just to get into this this morning, Alice is going to come and just share with us a way in which uh, uh, God has healed her, Alice. The week before Christmas 1993, I was diagnosed with lupus, which is an incurable autoimmune disease. I'd gone to the hospital expecting to be told that I'd repetitive strain injury, um, so this news came as quite a shock. Um, early part of November 97. I experienced a really bad flare-up and it affected not just my fingers but every joint in my body. It just was so painful, it was stiff and my fingers swelled up so much that I had to wear splints in bed to keep them straight but then in the morning I couldn't even bend them just to get washed and dressed. And even the most basic tasks just took such an effort like turning a door handle, um, using a knife and fork to cut up food um, I couldn't even release the handbrake of the car some days and ended up having to get an automatic car. And just what it did to me emotionally was just, it was awful. And I'm such an active person, so not to be able to do all the things that I really enjoy doing, um, it, it was just so depressing. I'd only just started going back to church um, just before um, the flare-up started, I'd sort of walked away from God for a while. And the vicar put me in touch with the Christian, a Christian um, healing fellowship out at Pinmill. 
So I had several prayer sessions with them. And they really believed in healing for me. But I didn't believe it for myself. And I said, well, let's just see what happens. And then Easter came. And I lived out at Barham at the time. And the friends that I had didn't have transport. So I had the whole sort of four days thinking, oh gosh, what am I going to do? And I just remember being so tearful the whole of Good Friday. And that Friday night, so to get into bed, I actually had to go on my knees and use my elbows to get into bed because I couldn't just um, sort of lie down normally. And I remember just through the tears, I just cried out to God. I said, God, you've got to help me. I can't do this anymore. And I just cried myself to sleep that night. But then Saturday morning, I woke up. I had no pain. I had no stiffness. My fingers weren't swollen, and I was just completely free from everything that I had suffered for the last six months. Amen. It was amazing. And, you know, I I spent that weekend gardening, which, you know, because that's the sort of thing that you do. Um, But I came to Burlington on Easter Sunday morning, which was only the second time I'd been here. And I have to say, since coming here, that's when my faith has really just taken off and it's now real to me. I really just want to encourage you, don't wait till you hit rock bottom before you ask for help. You know, God's, we've got our limitations, we're only human, but God has limitless resources and power and we know that he desires for us to be whole and the Bible talks a lot about asking And in James it says, you do not have because you do not ask. So I just really encourage you, whatever you need today, just ask. I want us to uh, pick up this whole theme then about healing the body, thinking about Jesus' perspective Jesus' perspective is that it's not just about the body. Think of that story when the friends bring the man with the screwed up leg, the paralyzed man. What great friends. That they want to see their friends able to, their friend able to walk. And so they take their friend to Jesus. And effectively, Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to heal this man's leg so that he can walk okay for perhaps 15, 20 years? Or do you want me to heal his heart so that he'll live forever? Which is easier, to forgive his sins, to say, take up your mat and walk? How tragic for the guy to have 20 years of walking in order to walk straight into a lost eternity. Think about the 10 lepers. Only one came back. Nine walked away with a complete new set of skin, only to have a life that was shriveling up and dying. So from Jesus' perspective, true healing is not just about the body, but from Jesus' perspective, true healing often, usually in his ministry, always in his ministry, did include the body. He didn't say to the paralytic man, right mate, now your sins are forgiven, when you get to heaven you'll walk. Did he? Which is kind of our approach most of the time. (laughs) Jesus has forgiven your sins you're stuffed with the rest of it until you get to heaven. That's my paraphrase. And so true healing is this kind of um, 
coming together of what's going on in our physical lives, what's going on in our spiritual, emotional, mental worlds. True healing involves all of ourselves. What was the greatest miracle with blind Bartimaeus? Was the greatest miracle that he could now see or that he followed Jesus along the road? But he couldn't have followed Jesus or he wouldn't have followed Jesus along the road unless he could see. And so God's work in us, which is why the word salvation, healing, the, the Greek word just means the whole thing. God's going to make you whole. God's going to sort you out is the way Jesus approaches this whole ministry of healing. What God wants to do in our lives is not unidimensional, but it's multidimensional. And when we pray for people's physical healing, which we shall and which we should, we're longing for God's wholeness to come in their lives. In the same way, when we pray for people's emotional instability, we're longing that the physical things that afflict them would also be healed, that our lives would be made whole. And I want us to look at uh, an Old Testament story, well, the Old Testament story that we heard read. Funny that, that those two things should come together. The healing of Naaman. Uh, Have your Bibles open with you at 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to kick it off at verse 1. Essentially, this is a story of God healing someone physically, but there is so much else going on, and we mustn't miss the everything else going on because I think it's only as we understand the everything else going on that physical healing fits into its proper place and perhaps we'll find some more breakthroughs or discover some more breakthroughs than we have just at the moment. So you with me verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 5, it's in the Old Testament, Um, here we go. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. He had everything. He's a successful person. In the eyes of everyone around, he's the winner. He's the one everyone wants to be like. He's a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. And I I wonder whether this is why health and issues of healing is so contentious and so sensitive and so difficult for us because it is that area of our lives that often we can do nothing to control. You can become the great commander of the army. You can be the person that everyone looks up to. But he had that, but he didn't have his health. You can have everything and still be sick. Verse 2, now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. What a generous, grace-filled servant girl that she should be kind enough to highlight the means through which her pagan master might find healing. Jumping a few verses, look at what happened next in verse 5. By all means, this is a conversation with the king, by all means go, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. Listen to what's happening, or see what's happening in that moment. Here is this this, uh, influential man of status 
and means, and he goes, he approaches the healing that he's looking for from that same worldly perspective. I'm going to go to Samaria, and I'm going to go with my status, a letter from the king, I'm going to go with my wealth, I'm going to go with my means, and I'm going to buy, I'm going to in some way earn, I'm going to in some way achieve the right to be healed because of what I can offer in a worldly sense. Does that make sense? Lesson number one from Naaman is healing is nothing to do with us. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't get it by your influence or by your power. The work that God would need to do in Naaman was to strip all that away before he was in a place to receive his healing. If you need healing... All you can do is receive it. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't get it by your influence or by your power, your pushing or your shoving in a worldly sense. If you are praying for people to be healed... All you can do is ask in faith and be obedient. You cannot earn it any more than Naaman could. You cannot, by your long prayers, somehow impress God enough in order for him to give it to you. You cannot buy it. You cannot demonstrate that you in some way deserve it because of your influence or whatever we might choose. We've got to get every notion out of our minds that there's anything anyone can do to buy, to earn, to create influence with God or anybody else to bring healing into our lives. And I love the next bit, verse 9, because it's so human, and that's the point. Verse 9, Naaman eventually rocks up with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door, and Elisha can't be bothered to come out. It's a lesson in pastoral ministry or something. There in the Bible, go wash yourself seven times. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, A messenger. Who did Naaman want to see? He wanted to see the man that he thought could heal him. Who was Naaman putting his trust in? Elisha. Healing is a touch from God. Naaman did not need Elisha's touch. He needed God's touch. The trust needs to be in God. So, go wash. Go wash in the filthiest river. Go to something that humanly you have no confidence in. It can only be God because healing is about learning to trust We've all been where Naaman was, haven't we? Yes, I'd like to be healed, but only if it can happen this way. I'd like to be healed, but only if that person will pray for me. Only if it can happen while I'm in my pew and not at the front. Only if it can happen quietly at home and not in church. Only if it can happen in that way rather than this way. And we're putting our trust, like Naaman was, in a myriad of different things. And what this story, bang in the heart of the Old Testament says, in the end it's God who heals and he's the only one you can trust in all of it. So go wash in a dirty river. Makes absolutely no sense unless we understand that God is teaching us above all else to trust him. 
That God is wanting us to understand more than anything else that he alone is the one that can rescue us and save our lives, body, mind, and spirit. That he alone is the one that can heal. I'm happy to seek healing, Lord, but only if I can get to Elisha. Only if I don't have to go in that dirty river. Only if I can bring all this money so that I feel like I've earned it and paid for it in some way. If only... God is very, very interested in your if only. Whatever you would say today, I'll have a touch from the king, if only. I want God to meet me, if only. I'd love to be healed, if only. What's your if only Because the God of heaven is way more interested in your if only than he is in getting you healed right now. Because he wants all of you. Because he wants your heart. And so learning the walk of trust and obedience was just so important. That's why Jesus often gave people instructions. Go, show yourself to the priest. Go, wash in that pool. Stretch out your hand. Get up and walk. Do something. That puts your money where your mouth is. Do something that's going to engage your heart. Because it's very easy to be healed. And for your heart to be untouched. Oh, that would never happen to me. Remember the nine lepers. It happens to all of us. Notice how healing required good friends. It was the servants that persuaded him to do it. I'm not going to wash in that river. That's not what I came all this way for. And the, the friend said, well, 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 why not? How hard is it to wash in the river? And notice what friends need to do, because it's what all of us get caught up in when it comes to receiving healing. Little things become massive. Have you noticed that? I will not respond because of what someone else says or thinks. It's a little thing, really, that becomes so massive, we might miss out on God's touch. A little thing becomes a massive thing. And these friends are going, look, how hard would it be? Just because the water's dirty, but but be fair, it's not like you're being asked to do something really difficult. And 99 times out of 100, we sense we're being asked to do something that isn't difficult, but it becomes massive in our minds. Sometimes so big, we can't do it. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Saying, God, will you heal this person in front of them is a very simple thing. At best, I'm going to look foolish. That can become so massive that I don't even pray for someone. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And I'm the vicar. Big things or little things become big things. And then I love the way that it ends. God's after Naaman's heart. After his heart. And Naaman embraces I went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in the world except in Israel. That's the goal of any healing, isn't it? That our lives get caught up in his presence. So physical healing has lots going on. Okay? And we've got five more minutes to talk about a very simple model of healing that all of us can do because Jesus' perspective is this. Jesus' perspective is we are to go into the world and we are to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom. That's the deal. That's what he asked those first disciples to do. And he asked those two disciples to teach the next disciples to obey 
Anyone read the Bible? Matthew 28? To obey what? To obey everything. Yes, not just some. To everything. This, this model is to be repeated. Go into all the world, heal the sick, raise the dead. I, I don't mind if we pause on that one for a while. Let's do the sick ones first, and then we'll get on to the dead. Seems reasonable. I'm not unreasonable, am I? Let's do, let's do healing really well. Okay, I'll settle, and then we'll move on to, then we'll move on to the raising the dead. Nervous laughter from all around the room. <coughs> you imagine what it feels like standing here. It's like a crocodile in a, uh, a handbag factory. There we go. Okay, here we go. Right, this is the model. Very simple. We're looking at what Jesus did, okay? Uh, four very simple things. Ask what to pray for. Or, sometimes, ask if I can pray for you. You listen and you hear a need, and you can say, can I pray for you right now? Now, you get half points for saying, I will pray for you. You get minus points for saying, I will pray for you, and then not. No, you've never done that, though, have you? You've never said, I'll be praying for you, and then not prayed. No? No, you've never done that. That's good. Half points for saying, I will. But ten points, top marks for going, why can't I pray for you right now? That was the Jesus model, wasn't it? We don't read that Jesus went up the mountain with a list of prayer requests, and while he was praying up the mountain, people got healed. That's not the model. The model is to pray there and then in the moment. Can I pray for you? Be clear about what it's about. Jesus wants to be so clear, he says to the blind man, what do you want? That's how clear Jesus wants to be. What seems obvious to uh, you might not be the right thing. Some of you have used a model where you then ask the person, okay, tell me on a scale of 1 to 10 what the pain is, what the level of infliction is, what, you know, how much pain, if it's about a back, how much pain is your back in on a scale of 1 to 10? As a measurement. Or you might ask, what would it look like for God to heal you? So you ask, talk, communicate, eyes open, words. Do you know, when Christians do stuff, we get all embarrassed and we mumble and we make a right hash of it, don't we? Have you ever had someone pray for you and they look so embarrassed, they're mumbling, they're awkward, and they're, oh dear, and you're dying inside and they're dying inside and then you agree, I'm never going to let that happen to me ever again. And that's why healing ministry doesn't go very far in the local church because we all die of awkwardness and embarrassment. So eyes open, clear language, what can I pray for? What's the pain like on a scale of 1 to 10? Use touch. Laying on of hands, the Bible tells it. Be mega sensitive. You don't have to lay hands on somebody. Men and women. Men lay hands on men. Women lay hands on women. That's how it works. Be very sensitive. Ask before you do anything. Don't start putting your hand on someone. That's not good. It's not polite. That's rude. Ask. Be open. Be clear. Thirdly, command. This is the best bit. This is how you're to pray. The prayer is a command. What's the model? Jesus is the model. What does he say? He says to eyes, open. He says to ears, open. He says to leprosy, be cleansed. It's not a time for those informing prayers. Well, Lord, we have George with us here. The Lord says, I know we've got George. Lord, George has got a bad back, Lord, and it's really hurting him, Lord. Lord says, I know George has got a bad back and it's really... This is not a time to tell God everything he already knows. 
In fact, prayer's never a good time to tell God everything you already know. It's a complete waste of time. It's not the time for pleading either. George is back, Lord, is so bad, and he can't even pick up the kids. And, and can you see, Lord, how bad it is for him at work? The Lord knows all of that stuff, and he cares about it more than you do. So forget the pleading prayers, because you can't earn or buy anything from God. Don't think that by your pleading that he's going to do it. He's not a weak parent like you. When your kids plead, you give in. God's not like that. He doesn't need your pleading. That's not going to bless him at all. It just irritates him and everybody else around him. And, and forget the embarrassment prayers. Oh, Lord, I know that you'll probably heal George over time. Lord, I know that you'll use the doctors and the nurses. All of that might be true, but why are you saying it? You're saying it to get out of the fact that God might not heal him there and then and save your embarrassment, right? Come on, call a spade a spade. You're not telling, not telling God that maybe some doctors and nurses will help. He made the doctors and nurses, for goodness sake. He knows that doctors and nurses help. He knows that often people get healed over time. Don't tell him all that stuff. Don't wheedle your way out of everything. Just say, be open. Just say, be cleansed. Just say, be healed. Just say, back, stop hurting. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Just say the word. And my servant will be healed. Many examples. Ears opening. All this stuff. And keep your eyes open. Don't shut your eyes when you pray. You miss a shed load of stuff. Imagine God healing someone in front of you. Didn't see it. I had my eyes shut. <laughs> eyes open. Mouth open. Be normal. Communicate. Talk. Be human. Be you, all that usual stuff. Okay. And then listen. Because the Spirit might want to say something that the person needs to do or you need to do. The Spirit spoke to Jesus one day and said, get some mud and some saliva and mix it up and put it on their eyes. Sounds totally weird, doesn't it? But it's a simple thing, really. And hey, they might both end up looking stupid. But hey, he could end up getting his sight back. What are you going to go for? Little things become big problems when we come to praying. We've got to get over all of that stuff. We need to listen. There might be something that we need to do and we'll gain confidence as we listen. And lastly, inquire. Ask the person how they are feeling now. On the scale of 1 to 10, what's the pain like now? It may now be a 5. You may need to do the process again. That's kind of cool. Jesus had to go twice with one guy. Awkward. Come on, God. Sort yourself out. I'm sort of trees walking all upside down. Jesus must have been a bit embarrassed, wasn't he? Not a good day today. Sometimes you've got to go twice. Jesus went twice. I might need to go three times. It's a joke, by the way. But you see the point. We don't, let's not get hung up about it. Jesus didn't go, oh my goodness, it's all trees walking. It's, it's all gone wrong. Ah! He just prayed again. Listen, your responsibility is not what happens. That's God's responsibility. So stop faffing about, about whether it's going to happen and what it's, what it's, all that stuff. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to be obedient and to pray and trust the rest to God. If we can get into that zone of feeling more like it's God's problem and not ours because it is, I think we'll be in a much better place. Invite those who are seeking the Lord for a healing touch that you might spend a moment praying with them. But then trust God for what he's going to do. That's it. Simple as that. <laughs> Maybe there's a few of us here this morning who, even as I'm talking, are just going, yeah, I know, I need God to touch me. I, I need to be seeking that healing. 
Uh, and I'm going to invite you now just to stand. And I'm going to invite those who are around you uh, to pray for you, very simply, in that way. And you might go, oh, it's not how I imagined it. It's not what I wanted. It's not this. It's not that. It might not be. And if God's not in it for you, okay, that's fine. But if this is the moment for you, then it would be an awful shame to let just a little bit. It's only a very simple thing. We're all family together. Very simple thing. It'd be a real shame to miss out on what God would do because the, the simple thing became too big in our hearts and too big in our, our minds. I'm going to ask the band to come. Uh, it's a great song called Say the Word. Uh, but maybe God just wants to minister to you. And to identify that, you just need to stand now, please. Okay, those of you sitting down, look around, see the people that are standing. Now I want a couple of people at least, two or three people, to be around everybody that's standing. The prayer ministry team and so on. Uh, I need you guys to be uh, uh, just helping people as, as they need help. Okay, it's very, very simple. Can you put that slide back on, please, my slide, Ben, just for a minute. It's very simple, okay? It's not complicated. It's, God's not going to heal someone because you get it right, and he's not going to not heal someone because you got it wrong. Okay, this is very simple. Ask. So before we start praying, uh, playing, just a moment to ask, have that conversation, and then just away you go. Very simple. Father, I'm asking that by your Holy Spirit, you would come and you would be at work in this family, your church. You love us, you're our Father, and we put our trust in you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
So Lord, we bless what you're doing. We bless your work in our lives. Send us out into this week for your praise and for your glory. Send us out as worshippers and as life givers in the name of Jesus. Help us to proclaim the kingdom and to heal the sick. Help us to cry out to you that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Lord, do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us now and evermore. Amen.